0: everybody and welcome to the spoiler warning podcast this is a bonus episode where we're talking about a number of the films that we saw at the 2024 Sundance Film Festival I'm Christopher Schnaese and I'm Stephen Miller and if you're joining us for the first time the spoiler warning podcast is a weekly film review program each week in the show we're going to dive in debate discuss and argue over the latest films coming to a theater near you except as we said this episode we're talking about a thing that uh could have come to a theater near you if you were in utah i guess um or yeah. it could come to a house near you if you did what we did which was stream some of the films from home as they allow people to do did Stephen you Miller.
1: not to jump ahead to the movie but did you watch the q a for kneecap when the when the guy asked if everyone in the audience was mormon <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that was a. Uh... Hey, he's only been to the United States twice, so you gotta. (laughs) I love the idea that the Sundance Film Festival is only people from Utah who go to it. (laughs)
0: Um, yeah, let's talk about the the festival real fast before we dive into films, Uh, Stephen. We uh pretty much as last minute as you can possibly get decided to buy a a couple, uh, you know, a number of tickets um for Mm -hmm. the streaming stuff, which. By the time we bought tickets, the festival was already well in hand. The streaming stuff doesn't come out until basically the last four days of the festival. But uh, yeah, yeah. what what, what were your thoughts on uh, the the craziness that we tried to pull right there at the last second?
1: Yeah, I mean, every year I hit this where Sundance comes way too quickly. I'm still kind of exhausted from the holidays. I'm pretty much every year sick in January. This was no exception. Um, And I kind of just... I wasn't feeling it that much this year. Like I knew Sundance was coming and I kept thinking of it with kind of dread of like, oh my gosh, I'm going to feel guilt tripped into watching a bunch of movies. I'm going to lose my whole weekend to it. Why do I put myself through this? Like I was preemptively trying <laughs> to think of how I could get out of it or maybe only watch like the one or two movies that really pop that people are talking about, Um and then I don't know. I, I actually found it to be like I do every year, a very pleasant, enjoyable experience. And I kept adding more things. I went from only hitting like the top ones that I was really excited about to hitting everything I had a- available to me. I even, so I've been dealing with, as, as you know, but listeners don't know, um, sudden kind of chaotic back pain over the last few weeks that's made it hard to <laughs> move around or sit, which means, I stood for the duration of the Sundance Film Festival and I bought clogs specifically for it. So I could... <laughs> Crocs with uh, the fuzzy thing on the inside to be precise so I could have good arch support <laughs> while I watched all these movies standing at my desk. Nice. So I don't know if it's the way the filmmakers intended, but I was, I was committed. I was ready to go and I actually had a great time. How, yeah. how did you find it?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that... The the online component of the festival seems to be dwindling each year and getting smaller and smaller mm-hmm. and smaller um I you know, we, we we decided to book things last minute. I think the the general selection Didn't seem necessarily super great um, Like right. you know, it it was hard to know like just from like what was available online What we were going to get out of this festival? And even up until they started announcing the things we did buy a bunch of tickets Where like, you don't know what you're going to get. You're just getting the award for whatever. Um, and I right. think for me, it's it's a little bit of a mixed bag on what we got, not necessarily because of the quality of the films. But I just, you know, the few times that we've done Sundance, there's like little gems that we're like seeking out and trying to see. Yeah. And I feel like that was potentially absent this year. We weren't in person. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there were plenty of things like that. Um, but this was this one felt a little bit. uh more like I wish the online portion was a little bit like maybe once it once it runs in person, maybe put it on the next day available for yeah. people who buy online tickets, um, because trying to trying to watch everything on Saturday and Sunday is an insane task. Um,
1: yep. <laughs> I don't know. about how, how, do you, to... how do you go about it? How many do you bundle into a single day? uh i well i wanted to at least have some of my sunday back
0: so mm-hmm. i basically did you want ta- to be
1: taking back sunday
0: <laughs> yeah okay. i want to be taken back sunday and uh i so i did 12 hours mm-hmm. of stuff on saturday mm-hmm. uh which i may or may not have gr- regretted on sunday <laughs> but it was nice to be finished partway through sunday and be like okay i, I finished everything that i need to for what we're going to talk about i made it yeah. let's call it a day
1: um, so we we talked in. You crammed like seven movies. I'm trying to think of the average length of these things. No, it wasn't. It was. I feel like because I I squeezed I squeezed six on on Saturday, which felt surprising. That was more than I thought I was going to get to. But some were ninety minutes, which is nice.
0: I don't know. I, honestly, I don't know. All I know is that like I started at seven, and when I was done, it was seven. So. Yeah. You know, in there, I ate lunch. I took a shower. Like, there's a bunch of things that I did there that were not purely just watching films. But Mm -hmm. I didn't do anything else besides sit and watch
1: the festival. Yep. So... (laughs) I I know the feeling. I woke up. uh, Joanna was busy, thank God. So I didn't have to feel too much of an introvert for just, like, leaving to watch Digital Sundance all weekend. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, I went to watch the movies. So I I left the apartment because I, I, I'm watching them in my office. Um, I left the apartment at like 9 a.m., I think. And I came home at like 11 p.m. Yeah. And all I'd been doing was watching things and then occasionally eating and showering and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, it's a lot. It's intense. But I had the same thought as you. of If I bunched as much as I can on Saturday, Sunday will just feel like a bonus. It's like I can watch one or two things, but I'm not going to feel obligated to lose the whole day and so that was nice
0: cool um well should we should we get into it Stephen?
1: yeah I, I guess the only other thing i wanted to say on your note of the digital selection and what percentage they are it's interesting because as we'll see when we talk through these movies i quite enjoyed a lot of these um but when i look at like critics lists of people who saw a bunch of things at sundance i was reading their top tens and like nothing i saw even made it (laughs) so there's clearly a different sundance for people who actually attend it and what we got for the most part felt more like a south by southwest type thing to me it was like yeah little movies i enjoyed but they didn't it didn't have quite the like the big sensations that i feel like most years, there's at least one or two that we catch that feel like they're definitely going to go somewhere. This time, I'm I'm not as sure, but I was still happy I did it.
0: Cool. All right. Well, Stephen, let's get into our thoughts on some of these films. For the most part, we're, these are going to be very, very high-level thoughts, so nobody worry. You'll be able to go in unsullied when you see these films in the hopefully near future. Um, but yeah, we're just going to talk a little bit about some of the aspects of them, and then maybe if we need to really dive into something, we could just you know, denote where in the episode that's going to happen.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I can kick it off with the first movie we saw, which is also the only documentary that I caught at Sundance, which is a tactical mistake. Cause I think it's pretty clear that Sundance is better at documentaries in general <laughs> than it is with other things. But every year I do the, it's too complicated. Let's focus on narrative instead. Uh, but that documentary is a little movie called Skywalker's a love story. Um, which really started my digital festival experience um, with a bang. Uh, this movie is awesome. Uh, I don't know if you were familiar with the concept of rooftopping going into to this movie.
0: So, so yeah, if I could digress for a second, Steven. there was a point in time where Instagram and Reddit decided that I was really interested in rooftopping. Um, mm-hmm. But my reaction to this sport, I guess we'll call it, Was sheer anger that people actually do it and to be fair most of the times that I saw things it was dudes holding who I assumed was their girlfriend off of the side of a skyscraper and Mm -hmm. it it like offended me on some level because in my head my narrative for seeing these photos was that the dudes were doing this for clout and the girls were just going along with it um, just because I Mm -hmm. assume they have better preservation instincts than men do Um,
1: yeah but protective older brother chris is at it again with this movie
0: (laughs) but yeah so so that that was that is what i was carrying into watching this film um but go ahead go ahead
1: oh well yeah I, i did not know this existed like i had heard of the idea of quote urban climbing or whatever like i'd heard some things before but i did not know this existed i had never seen a single instagram photo or video of this. So. I was blown away the moment this movie started. Uh, it follows a Russian couple, uh, Angela and Vanya, who are rooftopping. So they basically pick mostly skyscrapers, cranes, construction projects, things like that, and they get to the top of it. So they climb, usually in some precarious place, and they take photos uh, on the top of the thing and drone photography, which is very convenient for a documentary <laughs> because yeah. it means you get epic incredible very highly produced content of many 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 death defying stunts that this couple does um so the idea won me over pretty much immediately just in that kind of free solo or if man on wire had been like a you know filmed at the time rather than just recounted in the future um i i was in already but i really think the movie does something interesting with this it It turns it into a love story, like it says, that I think actually works quite well. Like it it very much traces a narrative onto the action and shows how this couple feels as they meet each other and decide to start climbing, you know, really tall skyscrapers (laughs) and that kind of push and pull where sometimes they feel like you do, where they're actually worried about the other person and they feel like, I don't want you to get hurt. It would be stupid for you to get hurt. And you see these two people who are both very, very driven and also worrying on each other's behalf. Uh, And I think the movie nails those emotions. It also kind of becomes a heist movie which is very cool um (laughs) featuring like gopro footage of sneaking into places and being stuck there for much 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 longer (laughs) than you would have expected and i i just thought this movie was a a rush from beginning to end i was a big 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 fan of this and i don't know what is going to happen to it but i would be shocked if this movie does not make it to a wider audience. It just feels destined to to be seen by a lot of people.
0: I could be misremembering, but I feel like this is one of the ones that got scooped up by Netflix, but I might be speaking apocryphally. Um, no,
1: you're right. You're right. Netflix acquired distribution rights. Okay, okay that cool. is good. People will get to see it.
0: I, I keep I keep like conflating which ones got purchased because I keep hearing the same number thrown around and it feels like Netflix just showed up with an exact dollar amount and was like, will yeah. you take it for this? Will you take it for this? <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah, yeah. so so I also really, really love this film. Um, like i said i was carrying in um some i don't agree with what you're doing i don't mm-hmm. think there's any value to this i think you're just putting yourself at risk for no reason and what this film did was bring me around on r- roof i guess um mm-hmm. i i mean part of the part of the thing is that the person we start following first is somebody who is trying to elevate the sport and try to bring beauty and like acrobatics and you know that kind of stuff to the sport and not just be like yeah look at me hanging off the side of this building but like try to figure out a way to you know frame things beautifully shoot things beautifully like try to add more to the sport and then this film you know it's called skywalker's colon a love story and this is Mm -hmm. you know it's not just a documentary about an extreme sport it is specifically about this couple, they're coming together, and the strains that this life that they have chosen has has put on them, and it's not just that the 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 things are getting uh more dangerous um so that puts strain on their relationships it's the things they have to do to support themselves in the hobby that they Mm -hmm. want the normal things about life you know maybe uh a pandemic maybe a war that breaks out there's a bunch of things that are standing in the way of a what this couple wants to do and just kind of you know them being able to have this cohesive strong bond and like the the sport they are doing and the relationship kind of both become metaphors for each other in a way that right. is really really beautiful and like you know th- this this sentiment of like you know repeatedly as things start to get scary in the film uh you know one of the characters is saying like i won't drop you i've never dropped you like everything will be fine and that is just like this metaphor summed up about their like yeah is he talking about literally holding her up in the air or is he talking about like the the relationship they have together and i think that this film is you know it, it's it's you know like it puts you in awe when you see the shots they have of climbing the sides of these structures but also yeah like it's a very beautiful touching story as well that like by the like the the swell and the crescendo at the end of this film like just hit you and like you feel completely wrapped up in, in everything and so yeah. it's like i i just thought it was a beautiful film um really really enjoy it it's the it's the only film that like steven i was standing for uh which there were specific mm. reasons around that but it's definitely try
1: standing up watching, <laughs> watching you feel very <laughs> also i I had to take off my crocs so i'd be a little closer to the ground
0: i i i had immediately leave to go to an event afterwards and like i got in the car Mm -hmm. and i was like i'm sweating right now (laughs) i feel like i just got back from a workout but it's just i was watching this film
1: it is intense i also i hope this isn't considered a spoiler i won't go into details but a lot of times with a documentary like this especially where they drag out the big epic, you know, Meru type of quest that they're embarking on, you expect that they are dragging it out because they don't have a story. And so they're padding it with all the things it means. Um, This movie has a fucking story. (laughs) This movie has the goods uh, and everything it tees up are, it just nails it in such a crowd pleasing way. Um, I also just a, a kind of fun connection point. I was, in Kuala Lumpur, like, right next to the Merdeka, like, a month before they did this. So when the movie <laughs> opened and it showed it, I was like, holy shit, was I there? <laughs> like, it was... Uh, <laughs> and that, uh, that building is very, very tall <laughs> in person, yeah. um, to no one's surprise. So, yeah, I don't know. I had a blast with this one. It's funny, because these kind of, like, documentaries of... And extreme sport are things that i think i will love in the moment but kind of immediately feel like they're fleeting or won't really last with me and the way this maintains that narrative of the sport as a relationship for their love and conversely um i think it just really elevates it above most entries in the genre and makes it a movie that is uh, honestly emotional and satisfying on many many levels yeah
0: um can i ask you a stupid question real fast sure <laughs> do you think there are heights where eventually the ground isn't real anymore like, like the difference between a, a building that tall and a building half that tall, do you mm. think you feel more vertigo at the top of it than you do at the middle of it, it given that, it, like... It's a
1: good question. Because vertigo is not logical, right? Like, yeah. I definitely feel more vertigo 40 stories up than five stories up, even though both are probably going to kill me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do imagine... I don't know. I mean, like, I've stayed... I've been in what was not that long ago, the tallest building in the world in Shanghai, Um, and I've been at the top floor of that. And you do feel a different kind of fear, but I don't know why exactly. I think it's, um, there's something about when you look down, it isn't the distance of the ground, but it's the way the building recedes, like the the vanishing line that feels very pronounced. And I think that is what. What freaks you out? But I also have a hot take that I think the Grand Canyon is not that cool to look at for exactly the reason you mentioned that. I think (laughs) at a certain distance, it doesn't look like depth anymore. It just looks like a flat thing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Come out, you Grand Canyon.
0: (laughs) All right. All right. So let's move on to the next film. Um, That was a little film called Suncoast, uh, which is basically the story of a young woman who's spent the last several years of her life caring for a brother who was terminally ill. And now her and her mother are moving um, that brother into hospice care where he's going to stay until he eventually passes away. And that hospice care center turns out to be the same hospice care center that terry schivo is staying at um, who's the woman from the famous case about like the fight between whether you know you can remove a feeding tube and right. uh, uh helped helped breathing with i don't know what the term is for it uh uh mm-hmm. from a patient um in order to prolong their life uh, or or not prolong their life and basically it is a story about you know somebody coming to grips with what is put upon you when you need to take care of somebody who can't take care of themselves and how you may or may not feel once they're gone and how you think about that in the moment now and later in the future. Um, I thought this film was fine. It was kind of cute. Um, to me, this is like the, uh, it's the Coda of the festival, mm-hmm. um, but I think Coda has a little bit more going on for it as far as kind of feeling more, like Coda had some some sort of cheesiness to it and some playfulness to it, but it also felt like a like genuinely, gripping drama um that happened to be set in a young person's vantage point i felt like this film felt if i'm honest a little ya to me Mm -hmm. um it it might just be because it's like this type of coming of age like honestly like seeing this a few weeks after like watching mean girls where it's like (laughs) person goes to a new place gets embedded with the cool (laughs) kids like it was something about it that felt a little bit too cheesy and the sort of the film takes a few choice moments to get into the depth of what it means, like the, you know, the, the, the preciousness of life and what it means to miss somebody once they're gone and how every moment is fleeting. So you need to say, you need to say whatever you want to say to the people you love now, because once they're gone, like you'll never be able to get that moment back. Like lots of characters have these conversations, but overall I thought the film was a little surface level. Um, I didn't, didn't not enjoy it. um, But there was something that kept me from like fully absorbing myself into it and i'm hoping steven that you were able to just slide right in um after coming off the high of sky (laughs) skywalkers yeah
1: um you know it's interesting when i all of these movies because they were just awards winners i didn't even look up what they were before i hit play i just hit play Uh, so when i first saw this movie open i was excited for all the wrong reasons. I was excited because I saw Laura Linney and Woody Harrelson were in the movie and I was like, Oh hell yeah. Two great actors. This movie is going to be one of those like right down the middle, you know, crowd pleasing type movies. And at the start I was actually getting a little worried because I felt like Laura Linney and Woody Harrelson both fit, very obvious archetypes with obvious messages of what do they represent in this question about end of life, you know? Um, And even the premise of the movie, you know, it's interesting because this is based autobiographically on the experience of the director. And I would not have known that when the movie started, I kind of feel like, like the iron claw, it's almost, it's hurt by a hard to believe it's true reality in this case that, her brother was being put in hospice care at the same location that Terry Schiavo was in hospice care while all the protests were going on. That is true. That actually happened to the director of this movie. And yet when it opened, it felt like the most ham fisted. I know exactly what kind of message we're going to get. This is yeah. going to lay it on very, very thick. And, and so I was honestly turned off for a while at the beginning of the movie. And it kept hitting those softballs at me that just didn't feel real, like a an ethics class in a Florida Christian school in the early 2000s debating abortion. Like, sorry, no fucking way. Not <laughs> happening at a Christian school in Florida. Uh, but there were a lot of things where I felt like the movie was going hard for the, these are the capital T, capital T themes, let's hit them. Yeah. But what really turned me around was the performance of nico parker who plays the main girl you know the sister in the movie um yeah. this made it to the awards package because she won the breakthrough star award i, th- I think whatever they call it. and i 100 percent understand why uh she's Wade newton's daughter which i didn't know I-, I haven't seen the last of us i think some people have maybe discovered her before this movie um for me, I felt watching her like I did when we saw Jenna Ortega in uh, the fallout in South yeah. by Southwest, where I was just like, I am watching a young actress who is going to be a fucking star. <laughs> um, and to me, she made all of the coming age stuff work wonderfully well. The She's so like well-meaning, but shy, you know, very much cut from the same cloth of like the eighth grade character and yeah, others yeah. that are always in my wheelhouse. Um and even though like the Woody Harrelson relationship felt too neat to me and Laura Linney, even though I get what she was doing, it always felt a little bit like too much. I believed Nico Parker a hundred percent in the role and it made it very moving for me. And even though the first like two thirds of the movie, I was skeptical by the end uh the waterworks were flowing. I was, uh, I was crying <laughs> when it hit what it is actually meant to be. And, and it makes total sense that it was directed by someone who experienced what the daughter experiences, because that is the authentic, like, heartbeat of this movie. And anytime it deviates from that perspective, I feel like it loses me. But that perspective really, really, really worked on me. So in the end, I honestly recommend the movie, even though I think if you take out Nico Parker's performance, this is a rental at best. You know, it's a very neat and tidy, obvious message sundance movie but she really elevates it in the way that i think jen ortega elevated the fallout into something that i feel very um very warm and positive about so it it won me over it definitely got me crying and yeah two for two i was i was ready to keep going
0: yeah I, i completely uh you know second what you're saying about her performance um her performance is is great and i think that that is worth the watch um but i think unlike with the fallout where like the entire film is contingent on that that performance in this film mm-hmm. i feel like the performance is amazing in a film that's not and it never transcends like out of just yeah. her performance for me um but i i'm glad that uh I'm, I'm glad it worked out better for you steven
1: yeah all i will say is as the movie goes on it becomes less about what it is quote obviously about and becomes way more about how she perceives it and how she feels about it. And when it steers into that vein, that is when the performance becomes enough for me. Um, So I I think it's worth sticking with, if nothing else, just to see, see maybe a somewhat origin story of this person that I think is going to be a big deal uh, within a few years. But maybe she already is in The Last of Us. I have no idea how big a role that is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. uh, the next movie uh, is called Suho. Uh, this was a Mexican film, which I believe won the world cinema. Was it the grand jury prize or the audience award? I
0: don't know. Cause it was always cut off on the Apple TV. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure either, Uh, but Suho, uh, it seems to be getting a lot of love online, at least from peeking at Letterboxd. Um, It's the story of the son of a member of the cartel, uh, a Sicario, in fact, uh, who was abandoned at a young age. And it kind of follows his life through the years in four chapters. And each chapter is named after a person who he learned from or who protected him in some way. Uh, First his father, then his aunt, then his surrogate brother figures and finally a i won't spoil it but a a mentor figure who he meets later in life um this is a movie that it's a style that i often have trouble with and i don't know if it's a me problem because it clearly works on other people which is a combination (laughs) of being very slow paced and also being very somber and serious I I love me slow movies. You know, I've watched watched my fair share of like seven to eight hour movies in theaters. But there's something about the combination of when it feels very kind of dark and dour and when it is moving slowly and aimlessly that it's really hard for me to find an emotional tether. Uh, And I felt that for this movie. Like there were a handful of interesting shots. There's some like light magical realism, stuff that... I get why people would be going for, but I never really had an emotional tether here, um, until chapter four, where he <laughs> is a bit older, um, and it still didn't make me fall in love with the movie. But it becomes the sort of story where I can latch on to the character and understand what he's going through and feel much more personal investment. Uh, so I think the movie definitely gets better over time, but it this was one that largely perplexed me, not why it would win awards, but why it would win audience awards in particular, because it feels like something that should be difficult for a lot of people to get into. And it seems like it has struck a nerve and people are falling for it and all the more power to it. Uh, But personally beyond finding it a, an interesting story and kind of like lion and other movies we've reviewed before a, a story that is clearly about a broader phenomenon and using this fictional account to kind of showcase that it, it, there was something where it just never totally clicked into gear for me. So this, this was one of the tougher watches of the festival for me. And
0: Yeah. It looks like it was grand jury prize for world cinema dramatic. Um, okay. Okay, it that
1: t- that makes more sense than audience. Uh, yeah, yeah. For me, because audience is usually like a right down the middle crowd pleaser.
0: Yeah, though I will say I may or may not have made it part way through this film, and I was really mm-hmm. not vibing on it. And I took a break, went online, and people really like some people were saying this was their favorite film of the festival. Yeah. So I continued on through another chapter. And then I bailed um, because it just it wasn't working for me. And uh, unfortunately, it is a long film. And as we already said, we were packing in so much that I decided to go on to the next thing. Um, knowing full well that by chapter four, I may have come around on it. Um, but to me, I yeah. wasn't sure the juice was going to be worth the squeeze. So. To,
1: to To me, I will say chapter four made me be more positive than negative but still it it didn't make it a movie that I wanted to sing the praises of. It it didn't completely come around for it and I don't really think it would have for you either.
0: So let me ask you this question I understood the structure I had seen two pieces of the structure. If I would have skipped straight to the fourth would I have been specifically missing the context I needed to appreciate it or could I have just skipped to chapter four and kind of survived
1: I I think you could have I mean it clearly it's the same character right so there yeah, are yeah, things it's, that happen telegraphic- throughout the movie yeah. that are referenced in the fourth but the fourth becomes sort of the portrait of the artist as the young man's story like that is where you start to be like oh okay this is about someone who finds a way out of this life and that is just inherently an easier narrative to watch and I think you would have been able to watch it even without knowing everything that came before and that does have a lot of like very well observed moments, like a lot of memorable things. If if the whole movie were chapter four, this would be a total, like me loving the chance to see international cinema type of festival movie. Maybe not my favorite, but something I would be feeling very positive about. But it's a it's a long wait to get there and I, I'm glad it is landing for many people. For me, that that very serious, dark tone that also was very quiet and aimless it was just very very hard especially when cramming six movies in a single day for me to uh to click into
0: cool um so i want to go on to another documentary um i know steven you said you only caught one documentary this time around i squeezed in another thing which i assumed was gonna be just you know i was like well, when i tell you what this documentary is about you'll know, be like all right that sounds like <laughs> christopher wanted to watch this but it's called uh Abelin. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's basically about uh, a Norwegian gamer um, who basically uh, dies at age 25 of a degenerative uh, muscle disease. And um, his parents, you know, who grew up taking care of him and stuff, just assumed that, like, there was so much about life that he didn't get to experience because... You know, he was just his body was degrading over the years and they see it as him having died alone and without being able to kind of see and experience the world. But it turned out this kid escaped into the world of World of Warcraft um, and actually had made friends that he had been friends with for many, many years, like people in this guild that he really, really became um, closely tied to. And this film, not only does it kind of go out and find some of these people that knew him and try to look at the life that he had through this game. But they it turned out that he he was in this RP guild um, who not just were like really, really into RPing, but had literally backed up all conversations that had happened throughout the entire history of the guild. So they could Mm. go back to individual conversations and find the pieces of the story they wanted to pull out. And then they went and got animators from like YouTube to help using actual game models and stuff, rebuild all these experiences with the actual characters that all these people played in the game. So it is this documentary that is involves reenactment but reenactment of the characters that he was rp'ing as in this world and i think um you know it's it is a very touching film um it will have you crying by the end of it (laughs) um i i enjoyed it enough um i think that the promise of what they were selling me before they got into the scenes that they reenactment that they reenacted felt like we were going to get so much more but it was really a story about the people as told through them and they sort of dipped into these moments and kind of animated them in a way that felt a little bit more for fun um, than specifically because those individual moments were that meaningful so it's kind of like As it started, I was like, holy crap, this is going to (laughs) be, this is going to be incredible. And I I kind of overhyped it in my own head. Um, Still recommend the documentary. Um, It was still very touching, Um, but it's just, it was kind of funny that like, as the filmmakers are explaining what they're doing in the context of the film, I'm like, holy shit, this is amazing. Um, (laughs) But like the scenes they pull out doesn't feel like somebody who has every line of dialogue that was ever spoken in a thing. It feels more like they could have told the same stories just with Paraphrasing of those moments, you know, um, mm-hmm. but but I but I I enjoyed the film and like I said, it'll uh, if if you do, if you don't get weepy at the end of this film, then there's a problem with you.
1: <laughs> I'm I'm feeling weepy just thinking about the movie. I mean, it seems like a combination of things that Sundance documentaries in particular love, right? Like it's kind of like a like Shirkers or Hodorowski's doing like one of those things of the thing that never was that they can bring into the world, yeah. but then also grieving someone who died at a young age, like, that that sounds like a home run to me, honestly. I feel like I would get a lot out of that. And now I'm kind of angry at myself that I didn't seek it out.
0: <laughs> it, it was one that I was just kind of scrolling through some things and I read the description and I was like,
1: oh, yeah, I'm getting this. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, the next movie, which we both watched, uh, was a film called In the Summers. Um, this is the story of two daughters, Violetta and Ava, who come home occasionally i i don't know if they come home every summer and we only dip dip into a couple of them or they come home sporadically and we are watching every time but they're they come from a divorced family and they are visiting their father who lives in this small kind of nothing to do desert town and he is clearly not thriving in life you know this is very much (laughs) Um it joins the ranks of Daddy Longlegs and a few other movies of the the stories of fathers who maybe mean well but are not the best equipped to raise a kid and the the combination of feeling love and anger and a little bit of fear at them of of being a kid who doesn't know if they can trust the person that they've been entrusted to. Um and it just watches them through I believe, four installments in, in their lives over the course of maybe 20 years or something uh, and shows how their relationship evolves and also shows how they as individuals, including the father, evolve over time. Um, I thought the structure of this movie was really clever and well done. I like the amount of things it is willing to not tell you. It's willing to show you instead, you know, the, the state of his home the state of his pool, the amount of alcohol he is or isn't consuming. Um, <laughs> there are different things that kind of tell you, hey, life has happened in between these moments, but now we are just going to zoom in on this d- delicate and difficult relationship he has with these two daughters, right? There, there's the older daughter, Violetta, who is more of the, she's more responsible, you know, in the beginning, like like most older siblings, she probably takes the brunt of the, Frustration that her father feels and she's also more aware of his flaws. Um, and she, over the course of the movie, uh, discovers that she's a lesbian and there's clearly some tension there where he's a kind of old school, thoughtless guy who early in the movie, he says a few, you know, slurs about um, lesbians that he's aware of and the, the awkward inability for them to connect. And then Ava, the younger daughter, who all she wants is to be loved by her dad and the way that that molds her differently and then the way that that changes over the years um i thought it was a a quite good movie i thought it was quite moving everyone performs it very very well i think like suha it gets considerably better by chapter four i think there's a lot more subtlety and nuance in the adult child relationship with a somewhat estranged parent than there is in the kid portions And yeah, it had a lot of moments that I was intrigued by. It never really added up to a movie that I was barreled over by, but it's something that I appreciated and it had me thinking. And I think everyone everyone does a good job with it. My only real criticism, which I won't spoil, is there's an event that happens at the end of part two (laughs) that feels so much more like a big swing and overtly dramatic moment than the rest of the movie feels like it is meant to be. And I think they could have gotten the exact same outcome without going that big. So that was something that kind of lost me that felt like a little bit too neat or extreme. I did not watch the Q&A for this, so you might tell me that that is a true story. (laughs) Um, But it was one of those things where I felt like this was such a well-observed movie about just these subtle microaggressions and the ways you try to find intimacy but don't always find it and the begrudging... Whatever relationship you consciously build in the end with a parent who you don't fully embrace, uh, I thought all that was so well done. And then it just threw this like mega dramatic thing in the middle that kind of took me out. So that's my main criticism of the movie.
0: Do you think that that major dramatic moment at the end of chapter two is meant so that the first line of dialogue the father says in chapter three is a reveal?
1: I don't know. I, I, I get what you're asking. Okay. Um, I think there are photos when chapter three begins that would make that not a reveal if you're hinting at the same thing that I think you might be okay. hinting at. Yeah. But I, I, I get what you're saying. It's just all of that. Cut that for me and make it just be the. I mean, I'm much more of a like naturalistic kids and parents. You know, I'm a honey boy boy. Um, <laughs> or at least I, I had been. Not sure if I would revisit it now. Um <laughs> so that this kind of topic is something that fascinates me and i just keep your melodrama i don't i don't need it i don't need those big moments
0: yeah i think our overall thoughts are pretty similar um that it's an interesting film that's that's you know presenting these girls in this interesting way but um in the end it doesn't necessarily achieve the super high heights that it seemed like it was going to go go to i think for me i kind of feel maybe opposite about first half versus second half In the first half i understand the dynamic of the two sisters i understand Mm -hmm. the roles they are each playing in each other's life and i understand the conflict between how they both see the father and what it means for them and what they may or may not feel about the sibling given the siblings feelings towards the father like all of that is really really strong and i think when it gets to the second or the third and fourth chapters of this film that becomes a little bit muddied so much so in a way that like you know each chapter is you know somebody arriving at an airport and then the end of the chapter somebody leaving at the same airport right and the you know some films can end with a glance and you know what the glance means i don't know what any of the glances mean at the end of this film as they all go away it just feels like four chapters is what we got um the end you know it doesn't feel like there's there's a a finalness to that as much for me um interesting but but yeah
1: i i love the glance that this movie ends with and to me the evolution which again feels very personal i didn't listen to the q a but i would be shocked if this was not directed by a a person who is probably a lot like violetta that would just be my guess from how the how how the movie plays um To me, it is about the way adult children pivot from wanting something from their parents to setting boundaries and learning how to take care of their parents and be intentional in the relationship. And I feel like that final chapter is really about that, like the boundaries that they set and the times they decide to be vulnerable. And the look at the end is like them understanding what they are giving to make this happen. And there's, there's something about that that I just really liked Hmm. that. That was, that was my feeling. Whereas at the beginning of the movie, it's what you want from a dad and all the ways that he lets you down. And then I think over the course of the movie, like real life, it, it starts to pivot and you are less worried about what is he going to do for me? And a little bit more like what kindness can I give him while also (laughs) setting my, you know, setting the right boundary. Yeah. 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 Makes sense, (laughs) (laughs) Steven. All right, let's get on to another very subtle um <laughs> subtle film. Um so
0: the next film is a film that I actually bought a ticket for on a whim. Um and then it turned out to get the award for the Next Innovators Award and the Audience Award for the next category. Um mm. and that is a little film called Kneecap, um which is actually about the the birth of this uh, Irish rap group called Kneecap. Um, And it is basically these these uh, young whippersnappers, uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) some hoodlums who, um, you know, they get into dealing drugs and uh, they, you know, they speak the Irish language. And it's there. It's set in Northern Ireland where um, many people are like basically the irish language is dying uh, because the british are basically trying to stop it from being a thing that is spoken anywhere and they basically form a rap group and use uh rap as a means to prolong the irish language um and you know like the the i got it on a whim you know i didn't know anything about the the band kneecap um right. i i don't speak Irish. Uh, I can't understand it. Uh, oddly enough, there are times. W- this is a funny thing. Remember back when we were reviewing the film *Mommy Wata*, and I was talking mm-hmm. about how, like, I I wish that I could turn the subtitles off because I could understand right. the pigeon. Kind of,
1: the pigeon, you can make it,
0: but be- yeah. because the sentence structure was mixed up when I tried to read it and hear it. So they are rapping, and they're throwing up this animated lyrics. But because I'm reading what should be syllables in English but it's not i i f- i found it impossible to follow along with the lyrics and i was only yeah. saying like the last word of every sentence <laughs> which may or may not be the most offensive lines in those lyrics um but anyways um That's basically because
1: some of those words also seem clearly borrowed or mutated from yeah. english uh, when when you hear them
0: yeah, yeah yeah but but basically everything's around this Sounds like this band is gonna be very, very like uh rude and provocative and stuff like that. And even like the director when introducing the film was like, if you're offended, then fuck off. Uh or fuck up as they say in the film, um, which felt new to me. (laughs) Um but uh (laughs) is that like shut the fuck up and also fuck off at the same time. Fuck up. Maybe. Um, (laughs) Yeah.
1: Maybe I like it. I guess fuck off is Scottish and fuck up is Irish.
0: Or yeah, in Northern Ireland it's fuck up. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh if if you're in Ireland proper it's fuck out and, mm-hmm. and if you're in Northern Ireland it's fuck off. Oh man. Keep going. <laughs> Anyways, um basically like even the director was like, "Hey, if you're offended by this whatever." And this movie's fucking great. Like <laughs> like I I found it really really fun. And sure, their their lyrics are rude and it involves drugs and sex and stuff like that, but I like this is um, and I, I guess I mean this in a positive way. It's like a conventional film. Or it's a real film, right? It's a real film yeah. with a full-on narrative. And it's about this, like, these guys who sort of band together and, like, the, the odd group of people who come together to form this band kneecap. And, like, I fucking love this film. <laughs> like, it was, it was incredibly fun. Um, there, I, I got I got misty towards the end with certain uh, conversations between certain characters and, like, what what things they're saying... You know things you 've maybe heard your entire life what it means you know by the end of the film versus what it means when you 're a child hearing these lines of dialogue and stuff like that like 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 I, I I was really invested in these characters and what they were doing, and it 's all set around this like fun wild crazy um, like it 's not quite guy Ritchie ish but like mm-hmm. you know you could see a version of this that Guy Ritchie does this film right um and I, and I just I had an amazing time with it, and I was kind of surprised how much I genuinely enjoyed it. And the music's fucking rad. <laughs>
1: yeah, that, that's so interesting. I mean, I, I had a blast with this movie for sure. I don't think I loved it quite as much as you did. I certainly didn't find emotions the way that you did in in the movie. But I thought it was so much fun. I mean, I mean, I thought this movie was just a a joy to watch. It's it's zany, over the top. It's energetic. It is cut together in a very you know you mentioned guy ritchie and it it definitely has that sort of coked out aesthetic that can be a crutch you know for certain movies to do when they don't have the goods but this had the goods and the the aesthetic 100 percent fits with the vibe of kneecap um which makes more sense when you realize as you and i both didn't until the movie ended that kneecap are playing themselves in this movie Uh, which is shocking to me uh because the dj Provi, he seemed not only like a comic actor, but like a comic actor I'd seen a thousand times before. And he wasn't, he's just this guy. He's a guy who was playing himself. Uh, The cast does honestly a great job at holding the movie together, considering they're not even professional actors. Of course they're performers. So they have some, some level of comfort, you know, being in front of people and putting on a show. Um, The, the only parts of the movie that made me, I'm not going to say hesitant, but put a ceiling on how much I would love it. Um, one is that I, I really wanted the movie to be as politically brazen as it seems to want to be. And there is something about the fact that kneecap is primarily just saying they like do a lot of drugs and get STDs and stuff that felt... <laughs> I I totally understand the argument of the the rudeness and profanity as part of the charm and the fact that they insist on speaking Irish and they're speaking not truth to power so much as spitting in the face of power. Like, I totally get that. And I get the hell yeah. And I felt that. But I kept it just framed so much around, you know, the uh, the Michael Fassbender characters, more revolutionary tendencies. And I wanted there to be more of a moment where those come together, not just metaphorically but a, an evolution of the band and because the real band probably didn't go that route it doesn't give it to me but i i really wanted it I, that was the thing that was going to make me pure is if yeah. it like if it was like we started out as this thing where the point was just drugs and alcohol and you know sticking a finger in the eye of the establishment and then we learned we had a platform and so we did more with it that would have won me over but i'm just being like an old crotchety pull up your pants type of person so you you don't have to listen to me i I mean it was a blast like it was so much fun i i don't know why this is in the next category which i typically associate with like movies that are only kind of movies (laughs) you know this feels like way too much of a real movie to be shuttled away in some tiny category of like come here to see what the avant-garde up-and-coming new era of filmmaking might look like. You know, this is just like a, a straight-down-the-middle, straight out of Compton type of movie, and it nails it.
0: Yeah, I, I will say that I think the film is actually on the side that they weren't political enough, and they were sort of, like, accidental revolutionaries in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that ties into the stuff that I found actually emotional at the end, is, is when, like, the film is also kind of criticizing them for, like, hey, if... If people are in this like legitimate fight to, to preserve the Irish language and keep it alive And you guys are fucking just making a mockery of it with this stupid shit yeah. that you're doing and then just the concept of but maybe The stupid shit is actually still worth it in a way like that's the thing mm-hmm. that like made me emotional is like that message of Of what yeah. it means to use the Irish language whether or not you're doing it. You're, whether or not you're doing high art
1: <laughs> Yeah Oh. Yeah, I get it, and I—I I mean, and I love the concept of the—the the language being the dodo bird, and they're freeing it and letting it be a living, breathing thing. Like, <laughs> I think that is a wonderful metaphor, and I—I I have to believe that came from the band and was actually a founding principle of of the band because it just feels so true. Yeah, I—I I loved that part. I just. A part of me was like, please, just like grow up a little bit more, please. <laughs> that was that was all I felt. Not that they need me. They don't. They don't need me to say anything. But at a certain point, I think you've done enough ketamine. I think I think we can move on to to doing something else. I will say, though, there was a this felt like a very heightened story. I I don't believe it's even pretending to be the true account of how everything went down. You know, I kind of assumed the guy Richie Elements didn't happen. Um, One thing I assumed didn't happen, but that I found hilarious was this repeated gag where the one of the guys can only have sex if he's with someone who is anti-irish or a loyalist in some way and he just meets this woman and they have this constant back and forth of, I'm sure it's something that I've seen in other contexts before in a similar way, like probably political movies uh, and things like that, where two people find each other and disagree with everything. And that's what makes it work. But I laughed every time they were on screen together. Yeah. (laughs) That's good times. Yeah. Fun movie. Um, in a very similar vein, uh, we're moving on to <laughs> uh, no a, a movie that I I was quite taken with actually, and this is a an Indian film called Girls Will Be Girls. Um, it is a coming of age story about a I believe sixteen year old girl named Mira um, who is in a kind of strict boarding school somewhere in the Himalayan mountains. Um, she's a incredible student she makes prefect which from harry potter i know means you're kind of overseeing the school in some way <laughs> junior um, it, yeah exactly um and it, this is really a movie about about her growing up and deciding who she is and more specifically in a way that is a tightrope to walk her coming into her own sexuality or maybe her own womanhood more broadly of like what does it mean to be a woman and especially be a woman in this place where the school is very rigid socially. India can be very strict in gender roles and it's kind of her testing the boundaries of it. I thought this movie was super, super interesting. And like Suncoast, I think a lot of that has to do with the lead performance. Uh, Preeti Panigraha plays the daughter, Mira. Um, And I thought she was just, she's this, shy but warm but never quite knows how much of herself to show to other people and there's many moments in the movie where you see her letting loose and letting her be fully herself only to kind of like realize what she's doing and then shut it off um and and it happens again and again in the movie. It happens when she's dancing in the mirror and then her mom walks in. It happens when she is relating to a cute boy at school and he wants to kiss and all of a sudden she, she can't do it anymore. And, and there's something there about her deciding who she wants to be and how much she wants to embrace her femininity. And then it does this really interesting thing, which could have failed a million different ways. Like, it's going to sound weird when I even say it, (laughs) but I think it pulls it off. In a typical coming-of-age story, there would be the hot girls at school who are further along than you are, and they're the people that you are relating yourself against negatively. They're the people who you kind of look to with some level of envy you want to emulate them you you want to be them in some way in this movie that is her mom to a big degree her mom is the woman who can be fully herself like she can dance without feeling self-conscious she can talk to her boyfriend and have long conversations and not make it weird or uncomfortable she she has these things that mira doesn't have yet and i think it becomes a really interesting exploration of her relationship with her mom and feeling stifled by her but also feeling threatened or frustrated by all the things her mom understands that she doesn't yet and i i i just found this movie really really well done and interesting and i was i was totally captivated by it um we texted a little bit about me feeling like a toxic person. I won't spoil why here, (laughs) but I will say that there is a boyfriend character three in this movie who I found totally enchanting. Like he, he knows how to come home and meet the parents so well. (laughs) And arguably
0: um, maybe too well.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And there's a dynamic there that man, There's a lot of ways you could read this movie that veer it into weird directions. I think it completely walks the line of being about the the bundle of emotions that a girl especially might feel when trying to decide what she wants and what desire looks like in a place where she's kind of told to tamp it down. And the movie just... It follows a ton of different threads and I think it puts them all together really beautifully in the end. So I, I actually had a great time with Girls Would Be Girls. I thought it was really special.
0: Yeah, I, I I was really kind of wrapped up in this film as well. Um I'm not sure I fully understand everything it's trying to say by the end of the film, I think you're maybe a little bit yeah. more confident on at least where you want it to be going, right? Like, I mm-hmm. I think there was enough stuff at the end. And I'm not, I'm not even saying this in a negative way. I just mean that there's enough stuff where I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to think right now. But it's a film that yeah. makes you want to chew on it, right? Like, this is, this is like one of those things where I wish this was you know, the first two episodes of like a six episode show, right? Where like I was gonna get more and more and more out of the whatever the dynamic was was building here. Um, I think the the performances in it are amazing. Um and I think that it it's it, it's really easy to get sucked in to watch what this character is doing. Like as you said, like she's sort of like the height academically at her school and thinks she has it all together and sort of gets like sidelined a little bit by her sudden interest in this boy and it's sort of like seeing her try to play adults in many of these situations but still be basically a child but still want yeah. to be an adult and sort of the way she navigates that grounds and the way she navigates the relationship she has with her mom the relationships she has with this boyfriend the relationship the three of them <laughs> sort of yeah. and I, I i don't misread my words there but just there there is there is a a personality between those three people where they each have their own dynamics playing together and how those mm. dynamics play against each other also play against the other people separately, right? So it's kind of like a thing where, you know, you're watching all this stuff play out and you're like, I don't know if this is weird or if it's accidental or if this is just the perception of one character versus another. Like, I, I, I don't fully i didn't have it all figured out but i was wrapped up in it and it was definitely super yeah. super interesting i don't know where things go when the credits roll like i have mm-hmm. i have no idea whether i don't even want to say like the options of things that i think it could be but like i i i don't mm-hmm. know whether characters have made decisions by that point or if it's just the next day you know like i don't i don't yeah. really fully understand what the future holds for any of these characters uh, yeah. but i was wrapped up in the journey that i was going on and then when it was over i was kind of like oh dang it's gone now
1: <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll tell you i'll i'll tell you how i see the kind of emotional evolution of the movie and i'll try to say it in a way where it doesn't spoil anything that happens i think at the beginning of the movie mira sees her mom as a Of course, they have a tense relationship like any mother-daughter, but she's like an aspirational figure of this is what it means to be a woman, to be an adult. This is what I want. In most of the middle of the movie, she sees her mom as a gatekeeper of womanhood. Her mom is the, she gets to be a woman, but I don't. She is keeping me in some situations quite literally there is a door that she has put in place (laughs) where she gets to have to be this thing that i am not allowed to have or be and by the end of the movie that gatekeeping becomes understood as protecting of there's something about being a woman where you're opening yourself up to being hurt or manipulated or used in some way and It isn't, like, it totally resolves, but I think it flips her understanding of her mom. And it goes from, I want to be everything you are, why are you not letting me be this? To, there's a lot of shittiness in having to be who you are, and I feel for you. And I think that maneuver is the interesting thing that happens in the last, like, fifteen minutes of of the movie.
0: Interesting. I
1: just Cause... thought of that right now though, so it's not like while I was watching the movie I was like, yes, I understand everything. Cause
0: because a part of me thinks she broke bad right at the end.
1: Um oh interesting. So <laughs> that yeah, that isn't how I how I saw it at all. I I saw the ending as being um she has finally become a woman in the sense of learning what a woman's cross to bear is hmm. and feeling empathy and sadness for it. it it honestly kind of fits with are you there god it's me margaret and other movies about like coming of age being a beautiful thing and also being a sad thing because the world sucks and the world doesn't always live up to what you might want when a woman comes of age in any place but uh, yeah. i imagine especially in a strict uh, area of an indian boarding school Anyway, yeah, I think super interesting movie.
0: Maybe if we hit stop, uh, or when we hit stop, we can have a little side conversation, because I definitely thought there was a possibility she was going to turn the key at the end of the film.
1: Um, Oh, interesting. Interesting. um, Yeah, we'll talk about it. it. (laughs) I will say, though, even though I know the message of the movie is different, and I get the message... uh, I think people do have keys and I think anyone who has been an executive or product manager in any capacity (laughs) learns that that is true uh, and becomes a little bit of a manipulator. So I might have to interrogate that in myself. Yep.
0: Hopefully nobody that I work with listens to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyways, uh, let's move on to the next film, which is a little film called in the land of brothers, um, which is basically um, you know, like a number of the films we've talked about, this is a film that's broken into sort of chapters uh, or, or little vignettes about life. And this film is specifically about the life of Afghan refugees in uh, Iran. Um, and it's basically kind of like a, a series of different looks at what it's like to live um just as as a refugee in under these conditions, and you know they all have a different level of struggle that characters are dealing with, and it takes place over many years, so different characters that we 're following are sort of at different levels in whatever this you know relationship is <laughs> um of the refugees um at this time and i i I found it a very interesting and compelling film um i you know i i may have missed some subtle connections between the uh things and the context of watching it in the broader narrative of the rest of the mm-hmm. festival um but i think that each of the stories themselves is pretty com, com- compelling um and just kind of you know th- there there are moments of time that are not all told from the same vantage point that like slightly changes up like the type of story that it's, story that it's telling um and yeah i i i found it uh, kind of you know a a simple touching uh, depiction of the lives that these characters lived um i haven't thought too much deeply <laughs> after having watched it but it's a film that i appreciated while i was watching it uh what about you steven yeah
1: i i felt similarly this is a movie sometimes i look to festival films to blow me away But sometimes I look to them just to be like a slice of life in something that I don't know about, didn't know about before, and a way of exploring or shining a light on a subject. And in this case, the light is being shined on Afghan refugees in Iran. And I totally appreciated that. I thought it was, you know, a quite moving, well-done movie that shows off just a few different harrowing and also just frustrating things that people have to live with when they're... Some undocumented, some documented, but the government doesn't respect it. What does it look like? What are all the ways that you might have to be taken advantage of in some way where your situation becomes something that you're stuck in? Um, I do think this was a movie where I found the first part the most compelling the second part still compelling but slightly less and the third less still it 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 felt like the reverse of some of the other chaptered movies to me where it felt like it it started with what to me was the most intense drama and then worked its way backward um i did think they were all moving and if there's a, a theme between all of them i think it has something to do with suffering silently or being forced to suffer without letting other people know why you are hurting, which is very much the, the plight of being a refugee, you know, and not wanting to draw attention to yourself. But to me, that is maybe the thematic thing that ties all three parts together. And when I thought about chapter three in that light, certain character decisions that sort of frustrated me in the moment made a little bit more sense Hmm. when it became more of this, overriding feeling of what does it mean to exist in this way? And what is the dignity that you give to other people? Um, So, yeah, I I thought it was a powerful movie, but it was not the biggest swing in the world. One that I'm, I'm going to remember as a learning experience, but not necessarily as a, uh, you know, major dramatic. Yeah. Work.
0: Yeah. I I think for me, the second one was the most compelling, not because Mm -hmm. of, the specifics of what was happening but because that was the one narrative that wasn't it was like the actual like like basically in, in the first and the last one the narratives are themselves the thing that is compelling right like there is an right. understanding there and in the second one it is thinking about the way the makeup of you being in this place exists and the decisions you have to make outside of the story to try to maintain your reality. So it was kind of like, there there was an inherently a more, like in the first one, there's clear, obvious things why that sucks to be subjected to. Mm -hmm. In the second one, it was my brain just kept thinking about like, holy shit, like this is (laughs) like, to to have to go through that purely to maintain your status quo is is what was Mm -hmm. so compelling to me. And in the last one, it was sort of like, even when things should be, Turning upwards, there's still some right. sorrow that's because of the nature of who you are and what you've been through that that you have to deal with. Yeah. So, um,
1: yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think it's it's probably a feature that it moves in the direction it does. It just uh, to to me it it opens so strongly and heavily. I was kind of prepared for more of the same, and instead it it shakes things up. Yeah, uh, I do think the second chapter is maybe the most interesting because it had me thinking about the broader society and the kind of class disparity and all the what might the story from the perspective of the family look like and what do yeah. they think of themselves versus how they actually function in her life and a lot of really interesting stuff to to dig into for sure. All right. Uh, so the next movie was a... Quite big one of the fest, uh, winner of multiple awards, including the audience award, which I was not able to snag a ticket to. But luckily, it also won two or three other awards. So <laughs> I had this multiple times in my Apple TV inbox. Um, and that is a film called Dee Dee, uh directed by Sean Wang. Uh, and this is a coming of age story about a 13 year old Taiwanese American, uh, who's living in the Bay area in Fremont, who is trying to find himself, uh, figure out who he is at an awkward time in life. It awkward because he's adolescent growing up and maybe awkward in specific ways for him because he's trying to figure out culturally who he is and how much does he want to blend in, you know, versus embrace his Asian heritage, um. You texted me before I saw this movie with a reference to mid-90s, which is so unbelievably spot on for this movie. And I loved mid-90s. So to me, even I've been naming many canceled people uh, in this episode. (laughs) I I stand by mid-90s being a great movie. Um, This really transports that to 2008. Uh, This is extremely grew up, started high school in 2008, coded. And it has so many really, really specific details from the the needle drops that it opens with to the ways kids spend time online to much like mid-90s, uh, the way they talk to one another and use phrases that you maybe wouldn't use today, but you 100% would have in 2008 if you were that age. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought this was just a really charming, heartfelt, lovely movie about a, a kid who's like, he's a little bit of a shit, in a way that a lot of people were little bits of a shit at that age. And it's like a director looking back and reflecting on that and thinking about his family. You know, uh, Didi, I believe, means younger brother in Chinese. And this is really, like, how does he relate to his older sister, who he is awful to, honestly, beating Minari uh, in this movie for the the worst prank using urine, Um, to his mother especially uh, to his grandmother. And it's just, it mixes that with his relationship with girls at school, with his relationship to his friends, with his relationship to other people he meets. And it, to me, is a very kind of unflinching look at all the ways you fuck up when you are still trying to figure out who you are. Um, This movie has a ton of empathy for the main character, Wang Wang or Chris Wang, depending on who he's talking to. Um, It has empathy for him, but like mid-90s, it doesn't make him be a character who does the right thing very often. It is willing to let you empathize with him because of all the ways he is awkward or uncomfortable or says the wrong thing in the wrong moment or does something unpleasant to someone uh, i think it toes that line really well and i i was just completely charmed by the movie from beginning to end i thought it was a really 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 lovely movie and i a hundred percent understand why this won uh the audience award because this is for sure a crowd-pleasing personal story and i feel like most anyone would get something out of it um my personal favorite needle drop that let me know i was in 2008 was motion city soundtrack yeah um I, th- I believe you probably had the same one but there are a million things the the ui of facebook at the time uh the way youtube was kind of just starting out they're probably cooler than me because i don't think i was using youtube in 2008 i think i actually took a little bit longer to hop on that bandwagon um his email address is at and fire at hotmail.com uh, mine a little earlier, but when I was his age, was uh, John Kerry Eats Babies at <laughs> Yahoo.com. So, violent jokes about babies. I can relate. Wait, Early did you 2000s. start <laughs> <Q-ing> on? <laughs> I think it was some jokey internet meme or something oh, at the good? time. Um, even, even little details, <laughs> like, uh, like the Nervous Game. Uh, there's just so many things here that I had a lot of smiles of recognition watching this movie. And I also think it combines that with a, you know, a particular Asian American experience narrative. And I think it weaves it all together really well. So yeah, I yeah. I had a great time watching D Yeah.
0: Um I had a lot of fun with it as well. Um you know, you know, like I when when I had when you said you were sitting down to Didi and I said, oh, you mean mid-08s? Um like mm-hmm. I was saying that positively. Like it wasn't it wasn't like yeah. a knock on it at all. It was something that I was I was actually, you know St- stoked by when I watched the film. Um, uh, you know, a lot of the films that we saw were quiet, contemplative, like, prolonged stories that take place mm-hmm. over the many years. And this is, like, the summer in between
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, eighth grade and freshman year. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, like, it, it just it comes out of the gate just swinging with its, like, little home video footage with them blowing up mailbox. Yeah. You get a call back to that blowing up the mailbox later, which is oh, great. Yeah.
1: It's <laughs> even worse than you think it's going to be. <laughs>
0: Um, the best thing too is just like you know we 've all told stories that like we start the story and we realize it was a bad story to tell, um, but like <laughs> where his his desperate need to just tell a story to these people um it, it 's just beautiful like you know the director right when he was introducing the film just said like he he, he wrote a film that has a lot of cringe in it, um, and in my head, it was just like the 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 phrases kids say to each other uh, that we we wouldn't say today but no he means Mm -hmm. like the actions like every decision somebody makes like is cringy in this film and I think it was yeah it's a lot of fun it feels super authentic it feels it feels right for the time even though like I'm a bit older than this kid was like this kid Mm -hmm. is going into freshman year in 2008 and I uh, I graduated high school in 2001 so it's like I'm Mm -hmm. I'm departed but like the music is still the same
1: (laughs) (laughs) So
0: I don't know if that's a Southern California versus Northern California thing or what. Um, But like, yeah, I, I, I loved a lot of this film. My only, it's not even like a criticism, but I feel like this film almost ends at the end of act two. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, and I feel like it, it, you know, like I want the the last act uh, just because I feel like this character has recognition that he's a little shit and how cringy is, but he hasn't like resolved any of that tension. It's just sort of like. I'm arriving now at freshman year and yeah. we'll see how the freshman year goes, right? But he can almost make a sequel, you know, called, yeah, you know, whatever is after DD, <laughs> Yeah. Dee with two eyes at the end.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, it's why I found this totally charming. I was smiling the whole time, but it didn't, it, it wasn't my favorite film of the festival, largely because I think, it does feel like it ends a little bit abruptly. Uh, I mean, it has some satisfying notes if you look at it as the story of his relationship to his mother, you know, in particular. But it doesn't really tie up a whole lot. And it would have been really nice to see just a little bit more of the movie to see the, the hints of his growth. But I also yeah. conceptually, I kind of like that there isn't growth. It seems a little more more accurate. To the age that it's representing, um, you talk about cringe. I wrote this down because when it happened to me, way more cringy things happen in this movie in terms of horrifying things people do or say or stuff that would a thousand percent you wouldn't want anyone to know about. To me, the cringiest recognition after the email address uh, was the way he types to the girl that he likes on AOL. What are you doing? And he spells it W A T E R you d-e-w-i-n um and that hurt my soul (laughs) (laughs) remembering remembering the way i used to type to girls on aol instant messenger again this is more about the age than the exact time i guess because for me when i was his age it was i don't know 2002 2003 um but i remember that cool kewl like i cringed i felt a full body cringe when i saw him do that yeah. and it uh it was just great see i i i somehow
0: missed that back in the day mm-hmm. and I, it, it, there's this weird quirk that i have where like all of my family members are their like proper names in my phone book because i don't want like yeah. mom in the phone you know it's like first name last name <laughs> for my mother right and for my grandmother and like all this stuff because i did for some reason i don't i never liked all that shorthand um mm. like even when i was like t9ing and shit, i was still typing out the full words you know
1: like i wasn't typing in yeah. like chat talk or anything like that um so Um, interesting like my my parents are mom and dad on my phone because i'm not a serial killer but i do type (laughs) out (laughs) full sentences on my phone too but when i was 13 i definitely did not
0: (laughs) maybe i just have respect for my parents (laughs) Stephen.
1: yeah it's true i also didn't i I didn't have a cell phone until i was probably like 15 or something so i luckily avoided some of these conversations but sitting on my computer using aol instant messenger late into the night talking to smarter child like i was was there for all that and i definitely was that Type in a lot of, you know, a lot of acronyms that we don't need to dive into, yeah. right? Now. <laughs>
0: uh, so so one thing that's funny real fast about my serial killer nature of putting people's full names yeah. is my father and I have the same first and last name. So <laughs> to prevent Apple from merging our contact cards, my, my dad is, is literally Christopher, With the middle, middle initial, <laughs> last name
1: <laughs> to separate <laughs> the contacts in my phone. That is... Very, very funny.
0: And I, re- I, I cleverly redacted the middle initial to not dox my phone.
1: When, when my dad first got an iPhone, it was his work phone, and his personal phone was an Android phone. Yeah. So the contact that I have from my dad still today is dad's iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what pops up every time he calls me. Nice. I take it. Yeah.
0: All right. So we were real pains when we were younger um mm-hmm. but the next film we're talking about is also a real pain um
1: <laughs> nice so,
0: so this film is a film that you know like when we we, we decided like as, as i said we decided pretty late um that we were going to actually try to see a bunch of things at sundance but as soon as the the online tickets went on sale i did go to the page and i just saw a screenshot that was Jesse Eisenberg and Karen Culkin. Um, and I just clicked buy, sight unseen. It was like, uh, there's, yeah. I'm not going to not watch this film. It's fine. Um, and then I never looked at it again until sitting down to uh, watch it because it popped up on my Apple TV. Um, but uh, this is basically a, a real pain is the story of two cousins um, whose grandmother has passed away. And they uh, head off to a Holocaust tour in Poland um, with the plans to leave at the end of the tour to go visit their mother's house because um, she was a Jewish woman who grew up in Poland at this one spot that the, is going to be, I guess, near where the tour was going to be. Um, this is a film that, uh, you know, it's called A Real Pain, and it's people going on a tour of, you know, a you know, wild atrocity that happened and still centering individual pain at a lower level against this, like, you know, mass pain on a grand scale. And I think that this is a film that... Uh, this, this is probably my favorite film of the festival, um, I think mm. this thing just fucking knocks it out of the park on so many levels, um, I thought there's a beautiful sentiment to this film, what it's trying to do, the performances are amazing, uh, Jesse Eisenberg and Karen Culkin have, like, they each get moments to really, really shine and show their emotional chops, um, and play them against each other, and, uh, like, I, I thought this film was beautiful. It was incredibly entertaining, um, and it really like it hit me with a lot of the the monologues that these characters get to have and stuff like that. It, like it drew me in. I I, I love everything about it. Um, one of the funniest Q and As, getting to hear actors talk about what it's like to be directed by actors. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I I thought it was a beautiful story. Um, like I said, I I just bought it on a whim, whim based on the the screenshot that was there. I didn't even read the description, and it fucking delivers. Um, it feels like a cheat to say it's my favorite film of the festival because this feels like simultaneously the most mainstream and also the Mm -hmm. most sort of indie (laughs) at the same time like it's it's a film where it's it's you know an actor writing and directing and acting in something against another person like it it just it feels i buy these these cousins um i almost said brothers because they feel so close that they could be brothers um and i just i love uh what it's what it's the whole premise that it's going for, I think, really worked for me. Uh, what did you think of it, yeah. Stephen?
1: Yeah, I, I I really liked this movie. I, I don't think I loved it quite as much as you. I I wouldn't say this was my absolute favorite of the festival, but I do think this is by far the most, like you said, mainstream and indie <laughs> movie of the festival <laughs> at the same time. And I think uh, Eisenberg completely nails the assignment. You know, they It's common, and I guess this is his second directorial outing, because I think he made a movie that premiered just a year ago, uh, he mentioned in the Q&A. But it's common when I think a actor is directing a film for the first time or early in their career, that it is going to be a kind of big showcase type movie where large dramatic things happen frequently. And it's a lot of meaty performances and a lot of room to shine. And this has that in a few places, you know, there's a Kieran gets a moment on a train that is extremely well done. Jesse Eisenberg gets a monologue in a restaurant that is definitely like the thesis of the movie or not, not the thesis, but the, the key to his character. Um, So he has that, but for the most part, what impressed me about this movie was how willing it was to be small, to not go too big, and to just kind of sit with emotions that don't have to resolve and just let it be a trip where those emotions play out and are revealed and characters wrestle with them a little bit and then they it ends. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was amazing. It it really made me feel like not to be I don't know, condescending but it felt like Jesse Eisenberg practically growing up in like the squid and the whale and seeing Noah Baumbach, it feels like he internalized a lot of lessons of those kind of directors and was like, I am going to make a perfectly calibrated talky movie and have there be all this kind of subterranean emotion that pours out in just a few scenes. Um, It was great. I think it's a really interesting look at the way we process emotions differently. Um, Jesse and Kieran are such great, counterparts for each other um they're both playing the people they always play but they do it so well as this family you know where kieran is an open wound he feels everything and it makes him be able to win over anyone and suss that he's very charismatic but it also means he can turn on a dime and he kind of feels the weight of the world's pain whereas jesse eisenberg unsurprising to anyone who's seen him in anything is more tight wound (laughs) um less likely to open up a little more stiff. And I thought it was, it does a great job of painting both of them as having charms and also as having serious drawbacks to the way they interact with the world. And I I thought it was just lovely and interesting and yeah, it it was extremely well done. Um, I, I liked it a lot. I, I just didn't feel like it was a home home run just because it was small in a way it wanted to be small. But this is totally the kind of like you hurt my feelings slot <laughs> for yeah. me where it's something where I would I would think about this movie anytime and look back fondly and, and, and think it's explored really, really interesting themes in an honest and unique way.
0: Yeah, I, I, like for me, it's like a little bit above because you, you you hurt my feelings is like cute. We all understand adult things. And this is yeah. like. You know, you, you you kind of like tried to withdraw a little bit when you were saying the monologue that is his thesis, but I think that monologue right. is his thesis. And like I like I don't say that it's a bad thing. Like this is a film that is like it's made for that monologue, right? Which you could argue in the, you know, uh Bradley Cooper does Maestro kind of way that you shouldn't do that or that's that's too showy or something like that. But I think that yeah. the thesis is the story that he wanted to tell or that monologue is the story that he wanted to tell, and he wanted to set it against this backdrop because that helps get to the point of his character and how, you know, like, maybe that just, like, rings so true to me to, like, you know, we all have things that that we struggle with, but sometimes when we look at all the struggles that other people go through, we feel like our struggles are insignificant and we don't... Yeah. We we don't want to let ourselves just feel that we are struggling. We want to say, well, I can't possibly be affected by this because it's so trivial compared to, like, all the shit that's going on in the world right now. And I think that, like, yeah. that is enough to tell one whole story, right? This is, yeah. you know, like, it, I, I feel like this is, like, you know, set up and paid off in such a brilliant way that it, it seems simple, but, like, this is a film that lets you be showy without really being a like this is not a oscar bait film but it is Mm -hmm. as showy as an oscar bait film would be but it won't be looked at as an oscar bait film because it's so simple and so Mm. like condensed of a story so it's kind of like i i love it also steven for my bingo card characters tell each other how they feel
1: (laughs) yeah that's true they say it
0: to (laughs) each other they communicate Huh. Mm-hmm. I just—we could all learn from this film, Stuart.
1: <laughs> I get it. Uh, honestly, this is a movie that I might watch a second time at some point in the future because I, I really enjoyed it in the moment. But this was one of the casualties where it was interrupted like five times for me because I had to pause and do things and get back to it. Yeah, yeah. And so I do think there's some of the emotional flow where, I, on a thinky level, I really liked what it was doing, but I, I wasn't like wholly engrossed in a way that I think it if the same had been true for Girls Will Be Girls, I might be flipping my conversation, you know, so I yeah, yeah. I, I think it's something that I would definitely love to revisit. But, and, I mean, I still already liked it a lot. Like, it's something I definitely would recommend to anybody.
0: Yeah. Cool. Well, that's, that's all the films we're talking about, I think. Um, <laughs> that brings us to the end. Um, yeah. And any last thoughts about the festival this year, Stephen?
1: I'm just reiterating that Considering how little I wanted to see anything four days ago, (laughs) um, (laughs) I'm pleasantly surprised by by how much I liked. And I think it was a every time we do a festival, I wind up telling you I think it was a good mix. Uh, And so I should probably stop saying that because apparently I just enjoy watching movies no matter what the mix is. Uh, But it seems like you also liked quite a few of them this year, like maybe higher hit rate than you often get, even though you felt like it was more slight than... previous yeah so i i think
0: for me the thing that i dislike is that our only real option given the selection of films that we had available to us was um was this random grab bag it was basically like we're playing Mm -hmm. loot boxes right where yeah you know like oh let's just go spend 500 dollars and then pull this lever and hopefully the films that come out are things that like we're we're interested in right like it's it's yeah um also there were a few things that like like the things that i like the most that got awards were the things that i, had, I bought before we got to the awards part
1: <laughs> so, so you double paid for them so
0: i double paid for it. with dd i think i quadruple paid for it because <laughs> <laughs> no not quadruple i triple paid for it because i bought it mm-hmm. and then i Bought two things that it got an award in, um so I mean you're you're lucky that movie was, or I'm looking that movie was good.
1: <laughs> yeah, that also means people who paid for the award pass, which was sold out by the time we got to it this year. I think we already did the math and decided that that was a bad deal in previous years, but it was an extra bad deal this year where a bunch of them were condensed into a single award. yeah, I mean, I think
0: well the amount I paid was way more than getting a pass, but also I got more than, there were a few extra things that I threw in um, that weren't part of the awards things anyways. But if I was only seeing the things that got awards,
1: I think it would have been cheaper to get the pass. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think if I I rule out the non-awards movies, because A Real Pain won an award, but not an award that was on the awards pass, right? I think this... To your point, this is maybe slightly bigger than the kind of movie they would normally let be an award screening. Um, If I remove that one, I guess it was 200 this year that I would have paid for the eight movies that maybe a little more because there were some duplicates. I think the awards pass was 250. So I think it was about the same. Gotcha. Anyway, this is what the people want to hear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me open case real quick and look at what I paid. <laughs> uh, all I all I know
0: is I, because uh, we didn't talk about everything. Um, because I have thir- I had thirteen things.
1: Okay, okay. So you went harder than I did.
0: Yeah, yeah, which which, fucked the math a little bit. But, um, I think. Yeah, there were, there were like three things outside of our group of things that we, we were talking about that um, were there. But um, those are conversations for another time.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> That's going to be it for this, uh, you know, grab bag conversation about uh, twenty the 2024 Sundance Film Festival. Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that?
1: Uh, you can find me at S. David Miller on Threads. Blue Sky, Instagram, X, still, uh, or estimatedmillion dot com.
0: People can find me at chrisfromreallife dot com or Christopher IrL on a number of places, uh, X, Threads, uh, Mastodon, social. <laughs> Uh, you can find the podcast over at the spoiler where you get a bunch of the back episodes of the show if you want to subscribe to the show show you can do so in overcast youtube apple podcast or wherever podcasts are found if you want to know when the episodes go live you can follow us at twitter.com spoiler warning facebook.com slash the or instagram.com slash the warning if you want to get a hold of us directly you can send an email to fans at the or you can use the contact form on our site music for this episode will come from a track selected from artlist.io so hopefully you're enjoying that we're gonna take off we'll be back next week with like a regular theatrical release um and uh we'll let you know what it is and when you see the title showing up in your feed (laughs) because we definitely know it already Um, (laughs) but yeah thank you everybody for listening and we will see you next time bye